0: Jesus we love you. Jesus we are you't you come and fill the- Hi We continue the subject of truth. We're asking the question what is truth? And that's a question that Pilate asks of Jesus when you standing face with the truth, the way the truth and the life. He says, what is truth? And we're asking the question what is truth? And how important is it? And we've said that to be wrong on the issue of truth, if our concept of truth is erroneous, is wrong, distorted, it's going to affect every area of our lives adversely. So we we were looking at truth as it's portrayed in the Word of God by first of all, seeing that God is truth, that Jesus is truth, the way, the truth and the life, that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and that the Bible itself is the truth. Your word, Jesus said, John 17, 17, is truth. And we continue that subject today. We want to look at the fifth aspect of truth, one that's so often bypassed by so many people, overlooked, uh, possibly because the, the one we're going to look at now is so, become so kind of marginalized or shelved or counted as irrelevant in life today, and that is the church. The church is to be truth. I'm going to ask you to read with me in 1 Timothy chapter 3 in the 15th verse. We'll just read that one verse, but you could read it with me, please. It says this, Paul writes and he says, I'm writing these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household What what is God's household? What he goes on to say, which is the church of the living God. And then he goes on, he makes this profound statement, and he says, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. We, the church, bear the responsibility of presenting church truth by lip and by life, by words and by behavior. We are to demonstrate it. We are to teach it. We're to live out the truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the entire word of God in its entirety. We're to to live it out, demonstrate it. It's our responsibility of holding it up before society, to, to take it by word and by actions, the truth to every nation, to every tribe, every country, every people group, every household, every farmstead every individual every village you name it the great commission encompasses every aspect of life on planet earth every person everywhere being given an opportunity to hear the gospel the truth about jesus and his great great love his amazing uh, death and resurrection and ascension into heaven. The fact that he's praying for us. He cares for us. He wants us to be his own. That's our mandate. And, and the church has to present truth in order for that to happen. It's to be truth. The pillar and foundation of truth. So we're to use every means we can, everything that God's made available to us, to win people to Jesus. I just want to read to you a little bit of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the 13th, uh, chapter 9 from verse 19. I'm going to pick out parts of it. Look it up with me in your Bibles. 1 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through to 23. Paul says this, Though I am free and I belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. He says to the Jews... I became like a Jew, to win the Jews, to those under the law, like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from the law or God's law, but am under Christ's law. And that's the the Christ's law from Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40, where Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, spirit, etc., and to love your neighbor as yourself. And he goes on and he says, So as to win those not having the law, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Wow! (laughs) I mean, that's almost overpowering. I'm willing to do anything, become anything that I might win people. Well, that demands a life of truth. And the church, God's desire for the church is to represent Jesus as His body. And he's, He's in His body... He was the way, the truth, and the life. And we're to represent Him accurately, to reflect all that the Bible says the church should be, all the aspects. I just want to enumerate a few aspects, ask you to study for yourself what the church should be if it's going to be the true church. It needs to be the body of Christ, which we just touched. It needs to be seen and understood and presented as the bride of Christ readying itself for that great marriage feast, the assembly of the saints, the called out one, the ecclesia, separated. It needs. It's, it's called God's dwelling place. We, the church needs to show people God lives in us, in our togetherness, not just some individuals and the rest of us who claim to be Christians just living as we please. The church is God's dwelling place in its togetherness. The church is to be children of light. The church is the family of God, family. The church is called believers. We believe God. We believe what God says. The church is made up of disciples, those who do what the master does, live like he lives, do what he tells us to do. The church is God's flock. that, Under his care, people need to know that God cares for us, see us as his flock. That we're God's fellow workers, that when we're working, no matter what we're doing, we're in partnership with God, co-laborers together, fellow workers with God. We're a holy nation. That's another aspect of the life of church. God has called us to be our holy nation and a priesthood of all believers. Living stones, all put in our right place in the true church, the holy priesthood, pilgrims, not settling down on our way. This is the church. This is the church, that, the truth that we're to present and to be true worshippers because God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth, Bible truth. How the church needs to get back to worshiping like God gives us in His Word, shows us. So that's the, the fifth aspect of truth Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Bible. Church. Truth. The next thing is grace. Grace has to be Bible grace. Bible grace is the only true grace. Not just grace. Bible grace. And we as a church need to present Bible grace. Truth as the Bible presents it. What the Bible says about it. Remember, oh, just let me read this little thing I picked up the other day. It says, this is according to uh, Christian theology a kind of summation that grace is the spontaneous, unmerited, undeserved, free gift of God, his divine favor towards sinners and saving, forgiving, restoring, the divine influence ongoingly operating, available in and toward all of us in regeneration and in sanctification. I want to just say to you a good word of advice. Stop now, pause that and write that down. Listen to it again and write it down. Get it into your heart so that we present true grace. Here's a little helpful acronym or two little acronyms. Grace, G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. Or God's redemption at Christ's expense. Grace. It's received through faith faith alone. But Bible faith is repentance and trust together that results in obedience. We'd never get God's grace into our hearts and lives because we, by works, it's as a result of. So true Bible grace, the grace of God, it well as Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 said, for by grace, unmerited, undeserved, By grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But also Titus chapter 2 verse 12, if you read from verse 11 through to 14, but I'm just going to read this one part, it says that the grace of God teaches us to say no to all ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the glorious appearing of our great Saviour, God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So Bible grace is not just freedom to do as we please. It involves lordship. True grace means lordship, the lordship of Christ, but never to mix it up with obedience. It's not faith plus obedience Obedience is the result of true grace being exercised in our lives through faith. Obedience is not what saves us, but it's a result of salvation. And then we move to the seventh thing. I hope I'm not rushing over that too quickly, but I'm trying to keep this down to not too long. The message is not too long. The seventh area of what we need to see as truth is Bible salvation, biblical salvation salvation is the only true salvation. Not to say the salvation that sometimes is preached around inside the church or outside the church by other religious groups or religions, etc. The only true salvation is found in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And that's the whole of what the Bible says about that. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, That if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's Bible salvation. We're done with the past. We've got a new life, new attitude, new behavior, etc. And then I just want to encourage you to to read for yourself those hallmarks or signs of salvation found in, in 1 John from chapter 1 right through to chapter 5. I'm going to just itemize a few of them. 1 John, that that epistle, that letter, in 1 John 1, verse 1, it shows us that true biblical salvation, Jesus' salvation, is a personal first-hand encounter with Christ himself as Lord, that which we've seen, we've heard, we've handled, we've touched. Secondly, true biblical salvation results in obedience to his commands. To chapter two, uh, one John chapter two verses three and six through through three th- through to six. Thirdly, true biblical Jesus salvation results in us loving fellow believers. We can't hate. And uh, if you read second uh, one John t- chapter two verses seven through to eleven, verse chapter three verses fourteen to twenty, you'll see we love believers, our fellow believers. Fourthly, True biblical Christ salvation results in a hate for the world system. Chapter 2, verses 15 through to 17. And then fifthly, it's an acknowledgement that Jesus Christ really is the Son of God. This is biblical salvation, that Jesus alone is the Son of God. And you can see that in chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. Chapter 3, verses 21 through to 24. But it also results in a lifestyle that's righteous, a righteous living, righteous lifestyle. Chapter 2, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 29, chapter 3, verses 6 to 10, chapter 5, verse 18. I'm just giving you something to go and look up and study. And then, sixthly, I think it is Jesus' salvation, biblical true salvation. We have the witness of the Holy Spirit. That's a result of true biblical salvation. We have the assurance in our heart chapter 3, verse 24, chapter 5, verse 16 to 14. And you know that the scripture says that the Holy Spirit himself, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit, saying, Abba, Father, dear Daddy. And then the next little uh, hallmark or sign is that we live in victory. Look at chapter 5 and the 6th verse. So, all that says to me that we need to stop majoring on what we feel are our rights as Christians or as individuals in the body of Christ and start to major a little more upon our responsibilities as Christians. We have just to name a few responsibilities. The Great Commission. All of us are to take it. Sacrifice and self-denial. I read that in my devotions again this morning. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 25. Chapter 14, verse 27, sacrifice, self-denial. Thirdly, another little, uh, one of those um, responsibilities is to put Christ and his kingdom first in every aspect of our lives. Not only as Savior, but as Lord. Matthew six thirty-three: seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, they'll be added unto us. And also, a fourth little uh, um, responsibility is that we belong to him before we belong to anyone else. We are his before we, anyone else's or anything else. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. You're to glory for God with your body and your spirit, which are the Lord's. This is all Bible truth. Quickly, we move on to the next one. And that is about truth, the truth. Biblical leadership should be truth. The only true leadership, leadership that is truth, is biblical leadership. If Jesus is the model of leadership and the gospel show us how he led and the rest of the Bible reveals how God sees leadership, then we must make sure that we're following what's recorded in the Word of God for us as, as leaders. Remember what Paul said to, uh, to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. I just want to read this to them, you know, a little bit. Remembering now that what I'm going to read now, this is chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. He's just covered, the early part of chapter 3, he's covered leadership. The subject has been leadership, and then he says, "You will." Know, he says that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of church, truth. He's just been teaching on leadership, so that portion of Scripture, one Timothy three, shows us a lot about true biblical leadership. And also remember that it seems to me when I read through the scriptures that Jesus understanding uh, he portrayed and taught servant-hearted leadership, not dictatorship, not control, not manipulation, not isolation, not one-man show, but team. And in order to exercise God's authority as a leader, we're talking about true leadership, leadership that is truth. In order to exercise authority, we have to be under authority. You remember Luke 7, 8, chapter 7, verse 8, when that rich the centurion came to Jesus and he said to Jesus, look, Lord, you don't even have to come. All you need to do is speak, command for the healing. He said, for I myself, well, this is how it should be according to so many leaders. I myself am, am, am in authority. For I say to one, go, and he goes, or to come, and he comes now, but he says this: I myself am a man also under authority. In order to be under in in authority, you've got to be under authority. So I want to just ask you, graciously, are you really under authority? Who are you under authority to? Don't tell me I'm under authority to Jesus. Jesus has delegated authority. He has leaders. And even as leaders in teams so that the leader or lead each and every one of them can be under the authority of that team who's under the authority of Jesus Christ. Well, to conclude, bring this to a close. If we aren't, please listen to me, if we aren't truthful about these things that I've covered now, the truth about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, the church, uh, grace leadership salvation if we're not faithful and truthful about those things all of them in god's word we won't be able to be truthful about ourselves about our effectiveness about our church how effective it is what we're part of we've got to be truthful about those eight things in order to be truthful about ourselves. Our testimony, and I'm really wanting to close this, our testimony should be like that that they spoke of of Jesus in Matthew 22, verse 16. For as much as this is possible, and I'm going to read it to you, it says, they come to him and they say, we know that you are a man of integrity, man or a woman of integrity, and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men, because you pay no attention to who they are. Wow. Not swayed by men. And that's a major part of each and every one of us, our call. Ephesians 5, 4.25 tells us each of us is to put off falsehood and to speak the truth in love. Our preaching, our teaching, our testifying, our conversation, truth. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 and 19 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth. J.C. Ryle, great saint of, of the past, said this, Never let us be guilty of sacrificing any portion of the truth on the altar of peace. Live truth, seek truth, speak truth, desire truth. God desires truth in the inward parts, according to Psalm 51, verse 6. Truth sets free, and truth is what we worship God in, spirit and in truth. Blessings on your people, Father, please. Help us to be truth to the world, representing Jesus more truthfully, more accurately, as you work in us, changing us and making us more and more like him. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. We worship you. Amen. God bless you.